I'm Hannah. I'm Sheena. And I'm Lori. And you're listening to Cemetery Row. Woohoo! We're alive! <laughs> Do we We're even back remember from the dead. How to, how to intro that? Or, well, I g- only, felt only very close. Us, only one of us was near death. Yeah. Oh my god. Look, if you're ever tempted to get COVID and strep throat at the same time, I must recommend that you don't. Um, <laughs> I really do feel like the COVID was just like a drive-by because like none of my at-home tests really showed positive. Only the one in the office did, and it was like barely. So but I think it was primarily strep throat. Don't no. get both at the same time. It really sucks. Well, and All you needed was the flu to have the trifecta, you know. I know I could have just like hat tricked this bitch, but alas, Uh, and I've known so many people who have had COVID and strep or COVID and the flu COVID Mm -hmm. and whatever. And I'm like, God, like, and everyone I know is like, as far as I know, vaxxed up. So I'm like, please, please get, which means everyone has had it mildly. Thank God. Yeah. And that's why I think mine was just like. A glancing blow. I think I might yeah. have had like a teeny tiny bit, but it was primarily the strep throat. Yeah. Oh, it sucked. Do not recommend. Yeah. Zero out of ten. No stars. If I could give it negative stars, right. I would. But we're back. But, we're alive. But but that's your warning to go ahead and get vaxxed anyway, so it will be mild. Yes. And maybe you know, think about wearing a mask. I don't. I don't yeah. do it everywhere, but I've got. I've I've started wearing them in the stores again, and um, yeah, like I went to um, the Orpheum the other night for a show, and I I wore it then. So, you know, if you're going to be around a lot of people, yeah, just think and about it. Just because like, no one wants to get sick, right? And even if you're just feeling mildly cruddy, like go ahead and mask yourself up. That way, you're not spreading it to here, there, and yonder. Even if it is and, just and, the flu, there's no and, point in and, having the flu either. No. And who doesn't feel mildly cruddy this time of year? Let me tell you. That was like when I was in the urgent care, they're like, oh, you know, have you had any nasal congestion? I was like, I have nasal congestion six months out of the year. So that's not really going to be an indicator of anything. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't know what to tell you there. My nose is always runny. I don't know why. Right. Could, they're yeah. like, oh, you know, you have a bloody nose. I'm like, it's bloody nose season for me. I, I, know. I don't know what to tell Same you. Same here. Same here. I've been to the ENT. I've been to the allergist. They're just like, I don't know, girl. <laughs> yeah. Good out. luck. You live <laughs> in the South. Good luck. Right. Yeah. Or you yeah. live Basically, in the North. Have fun. Well, yeah. Mrs. or where we live is like one of the right. worst places for allergies. So it's like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, what was it? Friday morning, we had tornadoes. Sunday evening and Monday we're supposed to have snow. Four to yeah. six inches. Well, I Jesus. know. I I'm am, not ready. I'm well. So after we finish recording today, Katie and I are going to go ahead because normally we do our grocery shopping for the week on Sundays, and so we're just going to go out today and just try to get it knocked out. Because you know Sunday is going to be an I, absolute madhouse. I mean, I it's going to be a madhouse. Let me tell today. you. Yeah, it is. I went yesterday. Just oh God. It was not as bad as Christmas because thankfully the people who come out once a year for Christmas shopping, the ones who stink, quite frankly, because um, I smelled so much BO back at Christmas at our local Oof. Kroger. Like, y'all, please, I know this is, I've never seen you in this store before. This is the one time you get out and go to town. Please bathe before you do so. Anyway, 
Um, but yeah, it was a little crazy yesterday. And what the only thing that ticked me off was like at Christmas, everyone was nice about their rudeness. You know, it's like, oh, whoops, I almost came out in front of you. I'm sorry. I apologize to everybody. Maybe they didn't know because I had my mask on, but I got the most, you know, go to H-E double hockey sticks look from everybody. And then people were just driving crazy. And I'm like, y'all, the snow's not starting right now. We have like a day or two. You don't have to be rude. And right. everyone was just in a sour mood. And I'm like, I don't know, y'all. It's Friday. Cheer up. Jeez. Maybe that's my yeah. prescription strength vitamin D talking because normally I'm not cheery. But I also thought I was going to get a few more things at the store that they didn't have. And I'm like, I clipped a coupon for this. Dang it. Oh, like what? God. Crab legs, quite frankly. Oh, okay. I want it. Ooh. <laughs> Every so often. Bougie-ass dinner on snow snow day and here every like, so often <laughs> i like to if they if they run them on sale and they were on sale from 20 dollars for a box to 15 and i'm like well i'll pick some up and that'll be like my monday night i'm snowed in bougie supper no 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 crab legs in the entire building and i'm like okay, you know fine. what i think that's what i'm gonna start doing because you guys probably get the sunday scaries too I'm oh, just yes. going to make myself a bougie dinner on Sunday nights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to. Okay, cool. You guys heard it here first. Mm. <laughs> She'll keep well, us updated. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Oh, um, and Hannah, I took your advice. I signed up for Misfits Market. No one cares about this, Sheena. God. <laughs> <laughs> they can totally. Told you before. They can we sponsor us if they would like. Hey, um, it would be nice. I love those them. Are the best oranges I love I've them. ever had. Yes. Yeah, oh okay. my God. The produce is so good. So okay. Good. I am. I like to pop popcorn on the stovetop because yeah. the first apartment I got up here didn't have a microwave and I was like, I'm not going to buy one. So I just made popcorn on the stovetop with, I have my little whirly pop and I love it. Yeah. And so like, I've become like a popcorn kernel, like insane person. Exactly. And they have the best popcorn kernels. Their oh, brand okay, of good. popcorn kernels are like my favorite. So I have okay, like a stockpile awesome. of them. And they kept sending me canned pumpkin. And I, I have so much canned pumpkin. <laughs> so much canned pumpkin. <laughs> you can pumpkin. tell them not to. <laughs> I know, but I kept forgetting to like take it off. It's like one of those, you know, that silly thing on TikTok where it's like, I have a bottle of poison sauce. I have so much canned pumpkin. So yeah. that evil guy on TikTok who wouldn't buy his wife any, call me. I have. Like half a dozen <laughs> in my my cabinet right now. Well, and you can use it for so many different things. Anyway, people oh, yeah. didn't come to hear us talk about. No, they did they come. Did do you know why people came here? They came to hear about Hannah's new store. I do. Yeah. I so Woo! like over the holidays, I started making like bracelets because I don't know. I had a funny idea to make uh obscene Taylor Swift esque uh friendship bracelets, which was a lot of fun. Um and those and things so- are everywhere by the way. Like I'm noticing yes. everyone like I even saw a cake the other day that was made like a friendship yes, bracelet. Yes, somebody so did a king cake and they did like yeah. Swift and it was so cute. I was like, I yeah. love it. And I remember from them from Girl Scouts and Girl Scout camp. So it yep. like unlocked a core 80s kid memory for me. Um but I made like a, like there was a girl who was showing off her engagement ring and her uh, friendship bracelet said "Come slut," and I was like, <laughs> nice. "Baby girl, I love you. I don't care if that was not on purpose. You are 
officially yeah. one of my favorite humans alive. Good for you. Well, let, let me do a quick uh, <laughs> customer testimonial here. So Hannah made yes. us bracelets for Christmas and they fit perfectly. She, she mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how, because, you know, I have large wrists and I think. Yeah. She, and I have teeny but, tiny ones. Yeah, and I kind of exactly. use myself as a gauge. Like mine are they're very nice the the beads are nice they're they're well made yep. they're lightweight cuz i wear those i'm i'm not sure if y'all are familiar with them but they're the bracelets with the little animal on them and they like track oh, yeah. an animal yeah. so i've got like dolphin i've got all of them and so like i wear like the pura vida ones they're, well they're not pura vida i can't remember the name of it but basically cuz i get my mom those all she yeah, loves those you you buy it they have like sea turtle, elephant, gorilla, yeah. shark, and they, they have all different colors. And when you get it, you get a QR code and you scan it. And it's basically an animal that's being tracked and you can follow your animal. Oh, I you, love that. You know, and see there. So like I have a giraffe and a shark. My shark's name is Eddie. She's a hammerhead. <gasps> oh, I love it. But yeah, so you get to, you know, uh, but those are a little heavier. And Hannah's bracelets are so lightweight. You don't even notice you're wearing mm-hmm. them. And yep. she made one for Bonnie that fits her wrist perfectly, and Bonnie loves it. Yep. So, um, if glad. you're not if you're not somebody that likes a lot of heaviness on your wrist, because I like yeah. I can't wear a watch, I struggle with anything. Um, but Hannah's bracelets are very lightweight, but they you know they're not fragile, so they're not going to like pop off immediately. So, well, thank and you, five you stars. That's right. You've thank got you. some cute. Um, sayings and stuff on on your stuff too you got mardi gras and yeah valentine for the midwesterners and yes the swifties and everyone so go check it what's the name of it hannah raccoon baubles (laughs) b-a-u-b-l-e-s adorable yeah which which is is adorable my brain absolutely (laughs) so yeah go sell out all of her stuff you know you want to her prices are perfect yes and reasonable and, and it's um, literally just to fund buying more beads. Yeah. <laughs> yes. like, I was like, I have to figure out a way to like buy myself more beads. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, Absolutely. go get a Hannah Donegan original. Absolutely. Yes. Go to yes. Etsy right now. Pause yeah. the show. Hear go me? now. <laughs> we will we'll beat you up if you don't buy something i'm kidding order or send a message if you have a suggestion for like oh yeah because like i'm definitely doing like i'm gonna have some like custom listings that i'm working on so i've got i've got ideas i've got things i think this this summer once you get into like the uh rush talk you should start oh, doing like yeah. Bama, Ole Miss, all of that. That's and just true. Like, yes. And, and there and is pick- quite a few Ole Miss ones because we won the Peach Bowl. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and- Hotty toddy, motherfuckers. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, I couldn't even tell you who we played in the Peach Bowl. No, no. I have no I don't idea. remember. I think it was some Midwestern. <laughs> who knows? Who I don't knows? know. Sheena, yeah. you have your uh, inside tour writers tour tomorrow um yeah i hope hope it goes well i would be there except (laughs) except uh i'll have to be spending tomorrow getting all of my stalls set up to bring Mm -hmm. in oh yeah and make sure the ones that don't aren't up in 
the barn because okay i'm gonna i'm sorry i'm doing a little sidetrack here adam's gonna love this because this is his favorite part of the show um, and Lindsay's. Yeah. hi guys yes. yeah hi. Okay, so so horse knowledge you know Lori's horse knowledge brain so horses yes generally they are fine out in the weather as long as they have some way to block the wind so like if there's right. a tree line if you have like a shed they don't necessarily need to be in a barn um the only time we really bring them in is when it's going to be cold, like cold below 20 and wet at the same time. Mm-hmm, That's yeah. when you, cause, cause well, they'll they, freeze. Yeah. Well, when they get wet they're cause their body hair, you know, it's just like a double coated dog. It, mm-hmm. that is how they regulate their temperature and you give them plenty of hay forage and they, that keeps their temperature up and they're fine in the cold. Most of the time they prefer it. Um, it's when they get wet that their body temperature can't regulate because of the the cold in their hair and all of that. So we've got waterproof sheets, like turnout blankets for them to help with that part. Um, but so, like, I've got to bring in the horses, but we don't have enough inside stalls. So two of them are going to have to be, you know, quote unquote out. But we've got two run-ins that they're going to be like, so they're going to be kind of locked up where they're in the run-in to get them out of the weather, but they are absolutely not going to use them. Uh, but yeah, so that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. I'll be making sure we get plenty of hay uh, put in their stalls and especially yeah. for the ones that will have the option to go outside because those dumbasses will go outside. Um, you know, all the kitties are, are nice and warm and yeah, so Horses are like teenage boys in the Midwest who I have looked out my window and seen wearing gym shorts walking down the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's, I'm just like, it doesn't have to be this way. There's a, yeah. there's a kid that's so cute. Cause so again, when we, when, when I go to the grocery store, we stop at the Starbucks and get us the coffee before we go. And this dear, sweet little high school boy that works the drive through is always in shorts and a t shirt. And it is an ice box in that Starbucks. Like even, in the in the summer it was freezing and i'm like how are you not freezing your little balls off dude i don't <laughs> it it's anyway but yes so right. that's what i'll be doing tomorrow so i won't be at sheena's riders tour so i'm sending you all the good vibes it's okay hopefully Thank you. It'll, hopefully it'll go well and i'll go you'll get one in the spring before it gets hot and i'll come to that one i'll walk in yeah because I do, yeah, I do really want to go to see this one. I want to see all of them. This one is indoor. This one's indoor. I, um, not, it's not a popular one. I don't know if we're going to offer it again or soon, but I think, we need I to think do it's it, fascinating. We need to do it one more time. And like, does Elmwood have a TikTok? I don't know. I know they They need one. Thought, they've thought about it. And, and there was this. At one point, I was going to help them set it up, but I don't know if that is still a thing because they get busy and I get busy and everyone gets busy and and things fall to the wayside. Here's what, here's what, and and it's on record because it's on our podcast. If they will give you even it, well, and and they can't use this one as an example because some people are probably not going to show up because of the threat of weather, even though this is going to be during the day, the storm's not coming in until tomorrow night. I want to make a video for them to promote your tour and whether it's me just like following you around with, you know, and doing a couple of little clips like yeah. teasers or something. Cause I, I, this 
as as a writer, this is really interesting to me. I, I you know, I've heard some of the stories. It's you know, because mm-hmm. you've shared them on the podcast, but I want this to be successful because it's it's like a piece of your mom because she came up with the name of it, and I think it. I think it's a great. I think it's great. I just think you. I, I don't know. There's I, I think if we make a little video, some like teaser videos where you yeah. like tease a couple of the stories that maybe that might help. And well, because I think um, our friends at the Greenwood Cemetery in um, New York, I think they have one. I think so. This, a lot of cemeteries are getting them. It's just, you know, it's a staffing thing. I think they are kind of well, and I with everything they have too, to do. So, yeah. Um, do they have like summer interns or anything like that? That'd be Mm-mm. a perfect thing to get an intern started yeah. on. Yeah. That's true. Um, well, we will we will do it if if they we're gonna if, brainstorm this. Yes. Well, they, and I could do it on my own TikTok, but did I know? No, I'm, 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 not right. saying, I'm not on there very often. I'm not even saying TikTok. I mean, like we can just shoot little like 30, 60 second promo videos. They could just put them on their reels on, on Facebook. Fa- on yeah, Facebook. True. Just like you know, yeah, this is something different that you may not. You'd be like writers. Oh, I don't know about that. But hey, this writer, right. this guy was at the civil rights, uh, the integration of the schools in Little Rock and just like how impactful that well, is. I think there's an I opportunity always, to tease it a little bit so that I they always don't tell just people, think. One of my guys on the tour married live people with ghosts. Yeah, if that's that, fucking amazing. If that does yeah. not get you in the door because you want to figure out what writer. And I mean, he wasn't even technically known for being a writer. Um, it, his writing got him in trouble. And, you know, and I have a woman who's like the first woman to broadcast live from a jet plane. I've got Finnis Bates, who I just covered. I just threw him on. Um, you know, everyone has this really cool. Yeah, I've got several civil rights writers and and. Yeah, I mean, I've got historians and and people who wrote books over 100 years ago that are still being updated, you know, because they're important and stuff like that. So, yeah, and there's some I don't even know entirely about because, like, I had someone message me the other day on Facebook and was like, hey, my, like, aunt was just buried there and she was a poet. Okay, well, I didn't know about that. But now that you've told me, I can include her on the next round. So, you know, I'm still learning. Yeah, and I... It's... It's got, you yeah. know, it, the true crime is different because everybody and their mama, you say true crime and they're going to jump yeah. at it. I think the writers, it, I, I think we need to do a couple of little teaser videos. Yeah. And I think. Well, that would and help I think, a lot. too, and we've talked before, I think like the English department and one of the local yeah. unis, right. like Ole Miss, you know, or even University of Memphis, you know, yeah, and, and then I keep some of the high school literature programs too. Gifted programs. I kept meaning to make yeah. a flyer and get it out to like all the local libraries, right? And book clubs, things like that. Well, then it was Christmas, and Christmas just ate me up this year. So I, I, I was not focused on anything except Christmas. And trying to get through holidays. We're going to put so, our marketing brains together. I know. Yeah. You think marketers <laughs> could market this. No, so we're going to come up with something. We're going to do this. Yeah. Listeners, we would love for you to send us a Facebook message. Lindsay, any of our, our lovely, lovely listeners. Especially our us, Memphians. Yes. Want to send us some ideas of like what would pique your interest in a tour about writers. Yeah. Because it may not be something that like you see it. You're like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then... But what would make you stop? 
and say, ooh. Um, um, and and then again, we should start. And I'm I'm serious, Sheena. Like we will meet for coffee and brainstorm. I work. At home. Somebody is I on took, her Adderall. Took, <laughs> someone did take her Adderall. Honestly, I didn't take it today. I oh, taken this is just this regular Luhu. Yes, not this is Virgo yet. energy. Yes, yep. this is I. I have strong emotions tied to this tour and I've been on this tour I don't know all I know is what you've shared on this podcast but it's so important to me because it's a piece of your mama and I know how good you are at the tours that this I know this can be successful and I think obvious you know Elmwood just they have a lot going on and so this needs to be the Cemetery Row volunteer, we are going to figure out how to market this. We will start. I mean, like I said, I work at home. I have slow days. I can Google book clubs in Memphis. I can do, you know, yeah. I can, uh, I have a friend, uh, uh, well, he, yeah, I have a buddy on Facebook who is a writer. He actually wrote a series of cozy mysteries about bridge when I worked in the bridge <laughs> league, um, he lives in Oxford and he's, you know, he's oh, yeah. still writing. Um, I'm sure he would be interested and he would be able to give us some resources of people we could reach out to about it. So yeah, I know we're, we're way <laughs> off topic, but uh, we are sending you the good vibes for this tomorrow. And, and like yeah, I said, absolutely. Let's, let's, we'll pressure them into giving, giving you a spring. Just say, look, I've got lots of ideas. I've got marketing friends that are going to help me market this let's just put it on the books try try a spring event you know april maybe before or when does it well really start it's raining? gonna be May? interesting i think they're already booked up for the spring oh wow yeah well like, well early summer I'm, then may before it gets well i know i i think they're booked through may i we've been oh. trying to figure out times for some other stuff and it's mm-hmm. they're still well. booked up which I think I might have a couple of true crime tours in the spring, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't really know yet. They have not given me, I told them literally put me down for whatever date. It's not like I'm going anywhere or doing anything. So yeah, well, anyway. we'll, well, we will get it figured out. Um, yes, we will. Let, let's, let's go ahead. Uh, do we even remember what our topic was for this episode? Theoretically, it was New, New Year's, Year's shenanigans, which yes. was, you know, kind of, it could be anything in December, anything in January that was just a little interesting or whatever. I, I It was vague on purpose, so we could find a little bit of everything and then... Yeah, I don't know what we found, and we forgot to determine who's going first. So I'll go first. Luhu, I was about to say, yeah. Luhu, while you're I'm on it. So I think <laughs> you need I... to go first. Yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so I'm going to start out with, because um, initially I was like, okay, New Year's cemeteries. And that's, you know, again, Lori's brain. That's how I start my my research. Yeah. Um, And I found something that was really cool, but I mean, there's not really anything to it. So I'm going to start off by telling you this little story, and then I'll get into what I found for the the actual story that uh, involves ghosts and Chicago. Yay. So, Yay. <laughs> um, so I want to start at, at, first of all, I know it's Chile, Chile, Chile. Yes. Yeah. I say Chile. Chile. Sorry. Yeah. It's Chile. I'm sorry. I'm just going to preface this <laughs> by okay. saying I pronounce it incorrectly and I apologize. Uh, I want to start out today with this unique little story about a New Year's custom in the town of Talca, Chile. 
Following the city's 11 p.m. mass on New Year's Eve, people flock to the municipal cemetery where the gates are unlocked and townsfolk visit the graves of their deceased loved ones in a sort of mini day of the dead celebration. Graves are decorated and the living folks bring drinks and food to celebrate at their loved ones' graves. This is this is a relatively new tradition. It stems from, again, there's no news article about the specific family, uh, but that this family jumped the fence on New Year's Eve in 1995 to visit the grave of their recently deceased father, um, because mm-hmm. typically cemeteries are closed on New Year's Eve. Uh, the local leadership was touched by them doing this. Uh, which, again, it was also a crime. Uh, and from then on, the gates of cemeteries in Chile were left open on New Year's Eve, and loved ones are encouraged to visit and celebrate their deceased loved ones. The locals claim that spending the night celebrating those who have passed, quote, provides peace to their souls and ensures them a lucky new year. Oh, So, yeah, that's that's really that's neat. Lovely. It's lovely. Kind of, it's kind of like... Uh, She's not my boss anymore, but she's the lady who hired me. And so she will always, I will always consider her, you know, my boss. Uh, She and her family at Christmas, and I know this is kind of, this isn't news to anybody, but they laid wreaths on the, uh, at the military cemetery on all the graves. Mm -hmm. And they were able to do every single grave in the cemetery. Oh, Uh, good. Just kind of a a neat little tradition around New Year's. So now I'm going to move on to my bigger story for this week. I'll be discussing the Drake Hotel's most famous ghost, the woman in red. Yes. Not to be confused with the lady in red from episode two, Mississippi Mysteries. And you're in my backyard. Yes, this is in Chicago. Now, I'm going to preface this. I did not do a ton of research. Like, I I got enough research and info to be able to share the story. Uh, You can go go down such a massive rabbit hole with this. Yeah. Wasn't going to do it. I'm just giving you the high-level overview. And if you want to expand and explore more, then be my guest but you know don't come at me saying oh you didn't talk about this or look i'm doing the best i can here google uh, it's free yes exactly um and so is and- this podcast shut up <laughs> <laughs> true <laughs> so, so yeah the history of this hotel it, it, it does not interest me but i'm gonna give you a little bit it's, it's still open-, open and it's beautiful yeah. Exactly. It opened originally in 1920. It was designed by one Benjamin Howard Marshall, the same architect who was responsible for the Iroquois Theater. And you can learn all about that disaster all the way back in our 10th episode, focusing on tragedy memorials. Yeah. And I did look that one up. I didn't know that one off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Marshall was behind the design of the hotel, but the hotel itself was paid for by John and Tracy Drake, uh, who had also previously developed the Blackstone Hotel. The Drake was an opulent display of the Italian Renaissance and boasted 535 rooms, a six-room presidential suite, restaurants, and two large ballrooms. The cost to build the hotel was $10 million, nearly $160 million in today's money. All right. Okay. Damn. So, ghost story. Fancy. <laughs> I wrote the hotel opened on New Year's Eve of 2020. Oh, <laughs> well, I've done that you before. Know. The hotel opened on New Year's Eve of 1920 with an extravagant celebration with more than 2,000 guests. And according to the legend, one of these attendees was a gorgeous woman in a red dress who entered on the arm of her, her fiance. 
Uh, some stories say that they were separated and she spotted him dancing with another woman, which upset her. And others say that they got separated. And when she couldn't find him, she's like, he's probably asleep. He probably drank too much. And so Aww. she she quietly walked into their, their room on the 10th floor to see if he was in bed. And she did find him in bed doing the horizontal hokey pokey with another woman. <laughs> I love that, Lulu. Completely disagree. I think it, I, I'm pretty sure I got that from. Uh, I think not. I can't take credit <laughs> for that. I think not. Pod. I there think is the horizontal hallelujah. What's it to you? Yes. Oh, that uh, too. Okay. Completely distraught, the woman either took the elevator to the roof or simply found an open window on the 10th floor but all accounts say that they the lady jumped to her death no throw him don't jump throw him you know what i mean okay so there are no newspaper accounts of any suicide on the evening of the hotel's opening but some speculate that you know maybe if she jumped from the roof or even the 10th floor her body could have landed on one of the lower roofs and they could have easily yeah. covered it up because, you know, the Drake was supposed to be the hotel of the Windy City. A death on its right. opening night would have been bad business. So they could have completely covered it up and no one would be in the wiser. Yeah. Whether or not the events of that New Year's Eve night over 100 years ago actually happened, people who visit the Drake claim to see the apparition of a woman in a red dress wandering the hotel's ballrooms and, of course, the halls on the 10th floor. According to a CBS News article published in 2022, a guest of one of the Chicago Hauntings ghost tours, only referenced as Becky, snapped a picture of the woman while visiting the hotel. And this is a a quote from her. I was compelled to go into one of the dark rooms, which was a ballroom. In doing so, I snapped a picture. And when I snapped the picture, I come across a lady sitting in a chair. And it frightened me so much that I threw my phone on my friend and I ran out of there. (laughs) <laughs> but I knew I caught a ghost. There's a silhouette of a lady sitting in a chair. It was really bright when I took the picture. I was a little frightened, but I didn't feel like it was a threat or anything. I just felt like the lady wanted to be seen. I think she wants to be recognized and be seen. And Aww. I will share this picture with you right now in our chat. Yes. Because this, yeah, I I don't know what I think, but I don't think it's a ghost. Let's see if it'll paste over here. Well, just bum us out, Lou Who. Here's well, a ghost, I mean, but I don't think it's a ghost. <laughs> well, I, I looked at it and I was looking at the completely wrong image. Why are you not pasting my image? Copy. Paste. It's not new. Anyway, I'll 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 drop it when I get but Yeah. My my type type a personality is not going to allow me to do this without showing you this fucking picture that doesn't want to paste <laughs> anyway now so that's the story of the woman in red yes yes we'll blame hannah you got sick and now we don't know what we're exactly doing. we lost our <laughs> bluetooth connection yes uh so now the woman in red is just one of two famous ghosts known to haunt the drake and while the second ghost story has no connection to New Year's Eve, I can't on good faith leave you hanging. So now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Lady in Black. Ooh. Okay. The origin of the Lady in Black surrounds the murder of society matron Adele Williams in 1944. But the ghost isn't Adele. 
So who is it? Nope, the ghost is believed to be that of her murderer, whose identity remains a mystery to this day, but whose soul seems to haunt the hotel where the murder was committed. Oh my. So after a shopping trip with her daughter, Patricia Goodbody. Nope. <laughs> I know. I then. <laughs> You know that good old Trish Goodbody. <laughs> uh, Always pair, down for a good time. The pair returned to Adele's suite at the Drake. They were surprised to find the door to the room unlocked and slightly open. And upon entering, Patricia was shot twice or shot at twice by a woman coming out of the bathroom wearing a black dress, black fur coat, and white wig. The shots missed Patricia. Cruella DeVille? <laughs> I know. But the assailant then turned the antique pistol on Adele and shot her twice, and one of the bullets hit her in the head. Jeez. And while my first thought, and some of you probably thought, think that maybe Patricia had something to do with this shooting, all evidence seemed to back up her claims that there was a woman in black there. Two men witnessed the woman walk out of the room, but they didn't realize what had happened until Patricia came running out shouting, stop that crazy woman. She shot my mother. Uh, during an interview later, one of the men said, quote, I could have tripped her, but I'm not in the habit of tripping strange women, end quote. <laughs> the victim in the habit of quote. <laughs> I, however, am. Thank you. Same. <laughs> the victim backed up her daughter's story. Even though the shot to the head would prove fatal, Adele lived for several hours after the shooting and was able to describe her attacker as a woman in black with a rose in her hair before succumbing to her injury. The murder weapon was eventually found shattered at the bottom of the stairwell, and police were able to trace the serial number to a known criminal who was in prison at the time of the murder. He claimed his sisters had stolen his guns, and in fact, one of the sisters, Ellen, was the key clerk at the hospital, hospital, hotel, and the <laughs> other, Anna, was known to visit the hospital in search of rich men. The hotel? Yes. So okay, I, yeah. you said hospital again. I, I said it again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which, know, I mean... Technically, the hospital is the better place to search for rich men because they theoretically have one foot in the grave. So, okay. right. or they're doctors. So, so he had yeah, two sisters. Ellen was a key clerk at the hotel. Gotcha. Anna was a lady who was searching for a honey bunny at, Got the, hotel. at the hotel. Got it. And Ellen also was on probation from being caught using one of her brother's guns during an attempted robbery. All right. I like this Ellen. bitch. <laughs> Even though Ellen and Anna were questioned by police twice, and Ellen even admitted to owning a black fur coat, no charges were ever filed against the women, and the case went cold. No matter who the perpetrator was, her ghost is likely to haunt, believed to haunt the halls of the eighth floor of the Drake in a purgatory of her own making. Oh my. Ooh. Now there's also so, some belief that there are um the parents of Leopold and Loeb victim Bobby Franks also mm -hmm. on the hotel. Um they moved into the Frank the Frank. Uh, <laughs> I, I've <laughs> lost it, Sheena. They oh no, get it back, Lori. <laughs> it's it's the end. 
Uh, they moved into the Drake after their son's murder, and the father, Jacob Franks, died of a heart attack in his suite in 1928, and his wife, Flora, died in the hotel nine years later. Um, so that's also another another creepy link to the hotel. But yeah, so that is my New Year's shenanigans, you know, uh, the ghost that died by suicide on New Year's Eve, and then, you know... A killer that apparently is still there. I love it. Yeah. Ladies, for the future, you catch your man doing, you know, sports in bed with somebody else. Throw him out the window. Mm-hmm. Not yourself. Him. You know, it was yep. the 1920s. I know. Bless her heart. Women folk were made differently then. I know. So, well, Okay, which one of you ladies wants to go next? I don't care, Um, Spider Monkey. What do you think? I'll go. Okay. So, if you're like me and you just got done listening to the Christmas music, you remember there's a phrase in It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year where he says, there'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. And you're like, scary ghost stories? What the fuck are you talking about, Bing? Well, (laughs) because Americans are Americans. Is it? I don't know. I just remember I Bing know. Crosby doing a version of it. Oh, he might have. I don't know. Or I could be getting my white men confused. It does happen to me. Um, They're all kind of well, similar. Back in the Victorian period, when we were officially goth as fuck as a group, yep. they had um, New Year's Eve ghost parties. So the... Um, information that I have is from this really cool article um, on the Kings River Life magazine website by Sarah A. Peterson Camacho. Kings River is Sacramento, California, that area. So thank you, Sarah. I'm going to be using your work. Um, <laughs> for a saturated and death culture as the 19th and early 20th centuries were, Civil War, World War I, 1918, Epidemic, the flu, blah, blah, blah. It's no wonder that the Victorian era gave birth to the spiritualism movement. It also had the Victorian mourning customs and rituals and the holiday tradition of telling ghost stories, which if you think about it, Christmas Carol, it's a ghost story. Yep. With a runaway success of the Christmas Carol in 1843, the association of the supernatural with the holidays took root the public imagination, spawning not only a winter storytelling tradition, but a macabre new way to celebrate the season. According to the Weekly Trinity Journal of Weaverville, California, in 1870, ghost parties are prevalent in Auburn nowadays. And it was the first ever mention of a ghostly social encounter not tied to Halloween. I love that. I think we should do seances at all holidays, but that's just me. Same. By 1872, ghost parties were popping up across the Midwest as an antidote to winter blue haha. As somebody deep, deep in the winter, dark, dark place. I understand. Yeah. These were homespun affairs with skull-shaped tickets, sheet and pillowcase costumes, and a skeleton turkey supper. California's capital city took the morbid phenomenon to a new level with the Sacramento Pavilion Skating Rink hosted a ghoulish winter extravaganza in 1876 called Ghost Party. 
Could you imagine a seance and a skating rink? I love it. I love it. I want a haunted ice skating. That sounds like a blast. Yes. Um, The very first New Year's ghost party was held in, wait for it, Greenville, Alabama. Okay. Way to go in 1884. Good job, Alabama. Yeah. Putting the party trend on the map. I know. For once. Uh, this is an anti-Alabama podcast. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I speak for all of us. Um, it's fine. So it exists. In 18, it's there. In 1891, the household journal, The Art Interchange. I love those old ladies mags from like the turn of the century. Oh, glorious. Um, featured careful instructions for carrying out a New Year's ghost party. Again, we need to bring this tradition back. I fucking love it. In January issue, making party hostesses everywhere sit up and take notice. One of them, New York Society maven Linda Hull Larned, took the home entertaining world by storm with the publication of 1899's Hostess of Today, which helped spark the haunted holiday's high-end renaissance. Love a high-end. Very. She says, some people hold the no- hold to the notion that the realm of spirits is only separated from that of mortals by a veil, she wrote in the San Francisco Examiner. And to a favored few, the veil is transparent. She sounds like a hoot. Get some absinthe in that mm-hmm. woman and let's see what happens. <laughs> by the winter of 1904, the newest New Year's party trend had hit the West Coast in a snowstorm of white cheesecloth which was her go-to material for any self-respecting ghost and also would be used as ectoplasm by our Mm -hmm. beloved Fox sisters. Uh, From the costumes to the party decor, the author advocated for a veritable blizzard of the filmy gauze to drape over every conceivable surface. And yes, give it to me. Larnard's spectral soiree, fucking love that wordplay, Called yeah. for each guest to wear a blood red number for a ghostly guessing game just before a phantom white supper accompanied by a wassail bowl, which is a thing, a hot spiced mm-hmm. wine. Oh, okay, it's a punch bowl around which yeah. tiny skeletons were perched. Imagine this a giant punch bowl of hot mold wine with little tiny skeletons around it. I yep. fucking love it. <laughs> as though fishing in the bowl for lost souls is that not the cutest thing ever um yeah. and this article goes on to call her the victorian era martha stewart and i love it of course there were to be ghost stories once the disguises had been discarded and the spirited appetites sated told in the twilight gloom of blue shaded lamps lit only by basins of burning alcohol god that sounds fucking amazing imagine having a bowl of fucking fire sitting in your goddamn dining room i love it here for it here for it um there if you wanted to do it high high class now she's talking about for the classy bitches (laughs) there should be an orchestra of musicians concealed behind a screen of cheesecloth giving them a muffled and doleful sound oh that is a good idea this bitch is dramatic and i love her uh yeah same <laughs> you are asked to meet the departing spirits of the year at a wraith reunion so read the blackboarded invitation received by one mrs grace griscom printed on victorian morning stationery, usually reserved for announcing death in the family i love mm. that mm-hmm. on the time new year's day of 1905 dawn in central valley a decidedly darker more gothic ghost party had descended upon the city of fresno 
The guests, upon entering the home of their hostess on New Year's Eve, wrote Griscom in the Fresno Morning Republican of Sunday, January 1st, 1905, found the hall draped in black and lit and lighted very sparingly with candles. Upon parting the curtains, a scene of Stygian doom was disclosed. Walls were hung with black, and to lighten up the surrounding horrors, there were a weird mew, a weird moon, and a few sickly stars. Oh and my. I had to look up what Stygian means. It means related to the river sticks. We just oh, okay. used so much cooler words back in the day. I know. Draping the doorways and fixtures like a bayou graveyard, Spanish moss hung low and wispy as a giant spider hung from a chandelier. A towering python coiled in the gloom. I fucking love this bitch. I know. The real shivers of the evening began upon meeting the hostess, Griscom continued, who was gowned in ghostly gray flowing draperies. As each guest greeted her, a series of shrieks were heard, for her hand came off in in the friendly gasp. Oh, my. (laughs) I love this bitch. Another game of creeps was carried out in the following fashion. The company gathered around a large table and somebody and someone appointed for the task handled handed all kinds of shaky, shivery objects underneath it. These were passed to one guest to another. Squeamish party goers could barely handle each slimy, oozing item without squealing. So this is that OG game we used to play at Halloween Con parties where it's like yeah peeled grapes it's like oh it's eyeballs it's spaghetti oh it's brains they've been doing that we we have been a very easy group to to entertain (laughs) for a while true true every member of the party was tasked with sharing a ghost story but before the second tale had gotten underway a flock of full-bodied apparitions descended upon the startling the startled group hovering in a cloud of floating gray stuff before disappearing as suddenly as they had materialized again Please, like, hire me for that task. I will rush into your dinner party and scare your guests. (laughs) Yes. I will do it. I will be in costume. We'll have a great time. At half past 11, guests were treated to a very late supper. A funereal feast of dishes, usually reserved, usually served after someone had died, spread across the table covered in a pall of funeral black crawling with animated fake spiders and worms again how she's animating shit in 1905 i don't know but i love this bitch (laughs) but at the stroke of midnight just as things were getting rather too intense and the spookiness too spooky a peal of bells broke the spell light flooded the room revealing a lavish display of a lavish buffet of delicacies minus the creepy crawlies adorned with sprays of blood red christmas flowers accented with holly and mistletoe the hostess then announced a truce to the old war of spirits and a goodbye to her guests. Fucking, like, that's how you end a goddamn party. Yep. Dramatic ass bitch. The popularity <laughs> of the New, Year- New Year's ghost party remained steady throughout the early 1900s, but as we entered World War I, the trend had all but given up the ghosts. Perhaps by then, uh-huh. the gathering clouds of influenza and trench warfare, death had proven to be a little too real. I fucking love this idea. This needs to come back. I yep. love it. Um, and again, that is a huge, huge thank you to Miss Sarah A. Peterson. Here's a little bit about her. She is a library assistant with the Fresno County Library with a bachelor's in English and in journalism. Hey, girl. Hey. All right. Hey. She also makes soap and jewelry. I fucking oh. love her. 
Cool. Shout out Sarah. She sounds nice. Yeah. Please listen to our podcast she, because I love you. Yeah. Yeah. She might. She sounds like a family friend that we just haven't <laughs> met yet. Exactly. DM us, Sarah. Right. You sound yeah. great. But yes. Yeah. I am petitioning like next year. I'm going to have a fucking New Year's Eve ghost party and we're it's going to be a blast because Let's do this, it. This Victorian era drama queen is officially my favorite person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, are y'all ready for some sadness? Let's get and sad. Some ghosts. Hell Let's yeah. Okay. Hold on one second. I was paying my cell phone bill. Sorry. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Look, adulthood is going to adulthood. There's nothing we can do about that. I know. I know. Listen, you know, you got to keep the lights on or whatever. Okay, so picture it. Just before midnight, December 29th, 1972, just outside of the Miami International Airport. Oh, I can smell it. It's like cocaine and rum. <laughs> Basically, yes, and jet fuel. Yes. So Eastern Airlines Flight 401 was preparing to land at the Miami International Airport on its flight from JFK in New York. Uh, the crew included Captain Bob Loft, 55, First Officer Albert Burt Stockstill, 39, and First Engineer Don Repo, 51, all veteran pilots. They have been doing this Repo? for many, many years. Repo. Man, yep. he missed his calling. Like, Repo the genetic the gen mm-hmm. the genetic the, opera. Ooh, yes. I'm gonna watch that later. Okay. Anyway, I know. Anyway. I was like, that reminds me. I need to watch that. But yeah, I, for some reason, I want to say generic, and I'm like, that's not it, Sheena. <laughs> I know, not at all. God, I need my ca- my coffee. Okay. The plane held 176 people, 163 passengers, and 13 crew. The plane, for the people who might care about this kind of thing, was a Lockheed L. 1011 TriStar. That means nothing to me, but I hope it means something to you. Now, of course, I don't know every passenger story, um, but I read about a few different passengers, and here are some of their stories. So you have newlyweds Lily and Ron Infantino, who were traveling from Miami to spend New Year's Eve with Lily's family. They'd only been married for three weeks. Evelyn de Salazar managed an art gallery in Manhattan, and she was traveling with her poodle, Tina, who traveled oh. with her everywhere. Oh. oh, I meant to look up this name, and I forgot to. So I'm going to say the Casados. Uh, they were a young couple. They were flying from Miami to visit family. They had their two-month-old daughter, Christina, with them. Uh, Joseph Popson was returning to Florida after attending a modern language association conference in New York. He was about to receive his PhD in English. So he is a smarty. And then right after the plane took off, Edward Ulrich proposed to his girlfriend, Sandra Burt, and she accepted. So yay. All right. So they're getting ready to land, right? Burt's stock still lowered the landing gear. And the landing gear indicator, which was a green light identifying that the nose gear is properly locked in the down position, did not light up. And they cycled the landing gear. They still couldn't get this confirmation light to turn on. And they discovered way later the bulb had just burned out, but they didn't know that. They thought there was something wrong with the landing gear. Well, you can't land, you know, without Without your landing landing gear. gear. Especially in the nose of the plane. 
Yeah, and it's dark outside and, you know, all that. So they're trying to be safe. Captain Loft radioed the tower and said they would discontinue the approach and enter a holding pattern. And the approach controller told the pilot, enter a hold pattern at 2,000 feet above the Florida Everglades, essentially. Um, They're not quite at the airport, but they're close. So the cockpit crew began working on this flight, and first engineer Repo was sent to the avionics bay beneath the flight deck to see if the landing gear had just went down and the light just was not working. 50 seconds after reaching the 2,000 feet altitude, Captain Loft told First Officer Sockstill to put the plane on autopilot. For about a minute and a half, everything was good. Everything worked at the correct altitude, all that, but then it dropped 100 feet. It flew level for about two minutes, and then it began falling so slowly that it couldn't be perceived by the crew. Ooh. That's not good. In the next 70 seconds, the plane descended another 250 feet, and that triggered the altitude warning chime. But it's not clear if anyone actually heard the chime. They don't think anyone heard it. In another 50 seconds, the plane was only at 1,000 feet instead of 2,000. And all of this happened in a matter of like four minutes, which in some ways is is a long time and in some ways is a very short time, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, neither way is comfortable. No. And Officer Stockstill started another turn and he noticed that they had dropped in altitude. The last recorded voices on the plane are Stockstill and Lofts. And Stockstill says, we did something to the altitude. And Lofts says, what? And Stockstill says, we're still at 2,000 feet, right? And then Lofts said, hey, what's happening here? Ten seconds later, the plane crashed. So the plane was about 20 miles from one of Miami International Airport's runways. So it hit a messy, swampy, grassy area. Again, this is the Florida Everglades. Yes. The plane was traveling 227 miles when it hit. And because it was in like a mid-turn, the left wingtip hit the ground first, then the left engine and the left landing gear. Um, There are a lot of details about how the plane broke up in the flight but i don't know airplane parts so i'm just gonna say the plane crashed it sounds it real bad <laughs> it was no complete cross-section of the passenger cabin remained Ooh. that's not good a man named robert bud marquis he went by bud was an airboat pilot he was out frog gigging with his friend ray dickinson <laughs> that is a real ass thing and i did it in high school and i will not be accepting follow-up questions (laughs) well you should shine a light you shine a light on them frogs and it paralyzes them like a deer in headlights i was i was the light shiner and uh, kevin and nathan (laughs) and jesse were the giggers so there you go anyway um, it was arkansas well this is florida so (laughs) (laughs) Um, so they they were out for all gigging in the Florida Everglades. They see the crash, so they immediately started to help survivors, um, but at their own peril because Bud received bu- um, burns on his arms, legs, and face because this spilled Ugh. jet fuel was all over the water. Ugh. So, you know, you're just wading right into jet fuel, which is not going to feel good on the skin. No. Um, but he kept helping people into the next day. So even though he oh, was in pain, bless his heart. he was still helping people. So he's a hero. 
Uh, eight of the 10 flight attendants survived, and they did what they could to help the survivors. They warned people not to strike a match, which my first thought was, why would you? But then I'm like, okay, you just survived a plane crash. You probably do want a cigarette. But it's like, hey, Or you can't see. Well, there's I mean, no light. You're in the yeah, well, that's middle what of I'm the... About to say. Yeah. There's flashlights weren't standard equipment on commercial airlines at the time. Oh, so God, no one 70s. had any kind of light. Yeah, no one had any kind of light. You're out there in the pure darkness. So they started singing Christmas carols to oh. keep people's spirits up and to get attention of the rescue teams, right? So right. if you're singing something everyone knows the lyrics to, that's going to, for one, get you attention. And for two, kind of keep people in a, okay, right. let's uh, get up. Let's do this. Let's unified, go. Unified. Kind of, right. Yes. Um, so, yeah. So, unfortunately, most of the passengers died. 67 of the 163 passengers survived. Jesus. Most of those killed were in the midsection of the plane, and all of the survivors sustained various degrees of injuries. Broken bones, burns. Some people, right. you know, got out fairly easily, but a lot of them had some serious injuries. And because the plane landed in the swampy Everglades, this was mm -hmm. a blessing and a curse. The mud may have blocked some of the survivors' wounds, which kept them from bleeding to death, but swamp water's nasty. So some of the survivors had to deal with infections. Yeah. Welcome to oh. gangrene, motherfuckers. <laughs> yes, 100%. Uh, Stock Steel was killed on impact, and Captain mm. Loft died in the wreckage of the flight deck before he could be taken to the hospital. Mm. Repo survived the crash, but later died of his injuries. So, of the people that I mentioned earlier, the Casados, who had the two-month-old daughter, they survived. The daughter went flying out of their arms, but they were able to find her, so she survived. Oh, thank God. Yes, thank God. Um, and so did Ed Ulrich and Sandra Burt. Uh, that's the couple that got engaged. They were hospitalized for two months after the crash, but they did get married and they were together for 47 years. Oh, after that, I think you're like, you know what? We're, we're in this. Um, <laughs> like, Ed passed in 2021. And I think that's what broke them up. Ron oh. Infantano, who was one of the newlyweds, he and his wife were traveling to Miami to celebrate New Year's Eve with her family. Ron survived, but it, his wife, Lily, did not. Like I said, Aww. they'd only been married for like three weeks. Um, Evelyn, who was traveling with her poodle, Tina. Evelyn passed away, but Tina survived. Go, Tina! I know. I hope Tina had a good long life. And Joseph Popson, who had, was just about to get his PhD in English, he survived. Oh, good. Um, at the time, though, this was the highest number of fatalities in a plane crash in the United States. Mm -hmm. So this was very bad. Now, yes. the following investigation discovered that the autopilot had been accidentally switched from altitude hold to control wheel steering mode. And that's how this kind of happened. It, they accidentally made that switch. And then it didn't help that the plane was flying over the dark Everglades at night. So there are no visual cues that they were descending. Right. Ugh. And following this crash and, and a couple of similar crashes, many airlines began training the crew differently so they could respond to problems more efficiently with less distractions. Because they're like, they were kind of being like, oh, it's all the pilot's fault. They were too busy focusing on why this light didn't turn on to actually fly the plane. And I'm like, yeah, but you you got to make sure you have landing gear. Like, right. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to blame these men. They knew right. what they were doing. So... 
Anyway, uh, Captain Bob Loft, who was born in Michigan, uh, and he died in the crash at the age of 55. He was cremated, and I think his ashes are with his family. Uh, First Officer Bert Stockstill, 39 at the time of the crash, was born in Louisiana, and that's where he's buried. He is at the First United Methodist Church Cemetery in St. Martinsville, Louisiana. Mm. He has a simple hit marker with his name and dates. Um, Engineer Don Repo was 51 when he died. He is buried at the Our Lady of Mercy Catholic Cemetery in Miami. Uh, Lily Infantano, who was the newlywed... 26 at the time of the flight. She is buried at Woodlong Park North Cemetery and Mausoleum in Miami. And then Evelyn Salazar, uh, who traveled with Tina, she's buried there as well. Uh, Bud Marquis, who's out for all gigging, um, <laughs> he helped um, in the aftermath of the crash. He received a humanitarian award from the National Air Disaster Alliance Foundation and the Alumatech Airboat Hero Award from the American Airboat Search and Rescue Association. Um, oh. He has passed. I couldn't find where he was buried, but I just have to say, I didn't know there was such a thing as the American Airboat Search and, Re- Search and Rescue Association. So good for them. Working in and the I field like, that I work in, it does not surprise me that it exists. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I like that they have an Airboat Hero Award. Like, that's cool. Well, um, and I was Hannah, doing send them to one day your salespeople say we need to uh, yeah. exactly <laughs> hey, get in with these. We guys. got an in. Well, and I yeah. was doing the math on that flight crew, and these men probably got their flight training in World War II. Stock still did, I think. I think he was the one who served in the Air Force. Some right. of them did have some Air Force background. Yes, these guys they and went and like there was like details on like how many flight hours they logged it was astronomical right. these guys were veterans they knew what they were doing yeah so yeah, i mean like, i think it's just being in their 50s and the 70s like they definitely served you know yeah yeah the, it's just it's one of those things of uh i get how you have to say okay the main cause is pilot error i see that but at the same time i would have felt 100 percent safe on this flight had had i known that was their background i'd have been like yeah right. of course they're veterans they're fine. They yeah they doing. got it it's just sometimes the right or wrong, you know, this has to go wrong for that to go wrong for that. It's to a go, domino. It's just, right. It is. It is. And that's um, the thing so, with plane crashes that they say is it's never one thing. It is always a right. series of things coming together yeah. in a certain way. And that's way. what this was. And and those men would not have ever done this on purpose. They would never. Yeah. Uh, not at all. It's just a horrible accident. Um, December 29th, uh, 2022, which was just, you know, last year, basically, was the 50th anniversary of the crash. And on that date, a permanent Eastern Airlines 401 Memorial Monument was dedicated in Miami Springs. And the marker includes the names of the 101 people who died in the crash. And based on a website I found for it, it looked like this was a long time coming People mm-hmm. have been wanting a memorial. I'm surprised it it just, I mean, yeah, 50, 50 years. years I'm, yeah, I, I know. I would have thought this would have happened at the 20th Much anniversary. Faster. Yeah. 25th anniversary. Like, so good for these families for yeah. seeing this through. It looked like it was a family effort. And they said a lot of the survivors' families were there and stuff like that. So good for them. But now let's talk some ghosts. 
Yes, so, yes. Um, <laughs> following the crash, rumors swirled that parts of the airplane were salvaged and used in other Eastern Airlines planes. Both employees of Eastern Airlines and many passengers reported seeing the dead crew members, including Captain Bob Loff and engineer Don Repo, on the planes that had been salvaged from Flight 401, or the planes that had parts salvaged from Flight 401. I have to admit, I wouldn't want salvaged parts on my airplane, but, (laughs) you know, I don't know. That's just me. Many people, especially seeing... from one that involves death. Like if you're just taking yeah. one offline because it's old, sure, scrap that bitch Fine. for parts. Fine, but it's it's sort of like James Dean's car. It's like, mm-mm. yes, let's, let's just not. Let's just not. So many were people. So many people reported seeing these ghosts that Eastern Airlines publicly denied that the planes were haunted, and told their employees not to discuss the ghost stories. They even threatened to fire them if they talked about it. You know, and, their PR person was mad as hell that week. Oh, I gotta yeah. say, what? What am I writing a press release about? Yes, there are no ghosts on our plane, but there are <laughs> yes. ghosts. I just saw them. You know. Right. Um, they did finally remove all of the salvaged parts from the planes, which is. Oh, wow. So they actually did salvage parts. I always thought that that was just like a rumor. Oh, my gosh. I, that's what I read. No, airlines, I man. Airlines. Airlines, man. Um, so, so if you want to see pieces of the plane from Flight 401 because that's the thing you want to do. You can see a floorboard in the archives of History Miami. And, of course, where everyone wants to go, in the Ed and Lorraine Warren Occult Museum in Connecticut. <laughs> no, it's not haunted. Um, Flight 401 and its ghost entered pop culture um, not long after the crash. In 1976, so like, what, four years later, John G. Fuller released a book called The Ghosts of Flight 401. And in 1978, a made-for-TV movie with the same name, based on the book, aired on NBC. Eastern Airlines considered suing John G. Fuller over the book, but decided not because that would just add more fuel to the fire. No pun intended. Let's try but to say Bob yeah, Bob Loft's widow and kids tried to sue him, but the lawsuit was dismissed, which I can't imagine. I mean, you know, you just lost your husband and your father in a horrible plane crash. You don't want someone people saying they saw it. my daddy's ghost. Yeah, yeah I get that. Um, but the story lives on. Dan Aykroyd, our, our spiritualist oh, yes. friend, who has a wonderful new show on the History Channel, by the way. Oh, does um, he? Okay. Yeah, it's where he just talks about spooky stuff. I mean, he he introduces the clips, and then they have um, like experts weighing in on the spooky stories. Shatner um, has like, a similar one on Netflix. Like, yeah, but I don't like look, I don't like Shatner. The, I, I'm anti Shatner. It's the weird. Best one. The best one is Jonathan Frakes Beyond Belief Factor. Yes, that is I the best show ever. I love ever him. Made. That man I love can Jonathan some scenery, and he is yes. so beautiful, even he old is. and chubby. The blue eyes. I don't care. Oh, he's beautiful. Love Jonathan. Okay, I'll check out the Dan Aykroyd one though. Do it though. I like um, Holly Fry, who is the co-host of Stuff You Missed in History Class, is one of Mm -hmm. the talking heads. Which so I I was like geeking out. I was like, I love Holly. Oh my god! And then I think there's one or two other people that I'm like, I love you, and I forget now who I love. But anyway, you'll um, have to message me the name of it. I'll find it. I can't remember what it is, but it's streaming on the history channel website 
I don't okay. remember. I'm sure they have an app or something. I have a really bad memory. Anyway, so Dan Aykroyd <laughs> mentioned the ghost stories when he made an appearance on the Johnny Carson show. And apparently there's footage of the crash in the movie Days of Fury. And then Discovery Plus made a documentary about the crash and its ghosts. And then finally, Flight 401 was mentioned in our favorite show, Supernatural. Oh, yes. In season one, episode four. Phantom yes. Traveler. That's, That's the one of my favorite. Eastern, mine too. That's the story of Eastern Airlines Flight 401. Um, of it, it bums me out that you have. It's right at New Year's Eve. You're so excited to start a new year. All these people, not all, there people were, are mean, starting new lives. I mean, starting new lives. I mean, the people getting engaged, the people who have a two month old. You know, they like just got married. And, and just got married. All of this, and which. I looked, you can find on Find a Grave, people have made virtual cemeteries of everyone who died in the flight. Yeah. And there are people of all walks of life. You had teenagers on there. You had, you know, elderly folks, you know, all these different people who. Yeah, it's holiday travel. Yeah. It's holiday travel. You've got a little bit of everybody. It just broke my heart that this happened. And but I'm glad that some reform came out of it. Um, I don't know about those ghost stories. It's so easy to just say, oh, yeah, it's all. Man, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it's real. Maybe it's not. What do I know? But and like, um, if the family's not a fan of it, I say like, you know, yeah. bring it, bring it down a notch. You know, because yeah. you can believe well, whatever you want about the afterlife, but that was their real ass loved one. So it's like, okay, exactly. You know. And and uh, the book and the TV movies and stuff, like I said, that came out four years after. Yeah, that's too soon to me. That's that a is, little raw. You let that yeah. lie. You let that lie a little bit, and then you write books and have TV movies or right. whatever. But right when this has happened, and it's so shocking, and it's such a so- yeah. shocking time of year, and all this, I just, I don't know. I just, but it, like I said, I just thought it was an interesting story. Um, so yeah, there we go. Uh, next week it's going to be a grab bag because we can't figure out what to talk about. <laughs> so um and and we wanted it's to get something be else ADHD in. free for all. <laughs> yeah, it will. Um before that we was. get into our month of black history and hotties cuz that's going to be our that's going to be a topic in February hotties. Um so yeah, so we will get to that when we get to that. But yeah. yeah. Um hey, so Lori, where can people yes. find us online? We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cemetery Row Pod, or you can send us an email to cemeteryrowpod at gmail.com. Yes. And please yes. send us an email. Yes. Please send us messages um, about whatever. Um, share us, share us, share your stories with us. And thank you to everyone who sent me good vibes when we, yeah, I was sick as a dog. Um, including yeah. the the person who lives in a completely different state, but offered to make a pharmacy run for me. I sincerely yeah. appreciate it. Hey, you know, there's some times where I so deeply do not want to get out of my house that I will hire right. someone from eight hours away to be like, bring me supper because I don't. Look, my, my daddy was my like, house. do I need to send you soup? I was like, my Instacart shoppers have been on the ball because when yep. I put in my order, I was like, and most of the time they'll like leave it in the little vestibule at the very bottom, you know, my apartment building. I was like, I can't leave my apartment because I have COVID. Can you just please bring it all the way up? And I put a little extra yeah. tip on there just to sweeten yeah. the because I know three flights of steps fucking sucks. But they've yeah. been also sweet. And they're like, we hope you feel better. I'm like, thank you. Aww. 
Yeah, people are nice. Unless they're shopping at Kroger in in North Mississippi right before snowstorm. Wear deodorant, Um, people. Wear deodorant. (laughs) Oh, and this is what I have to look forward to. I mean, it'd be worse. You could find out you're sexually attracted to Axe. Oh, yeah. God, it's been rough time for you, Hannah. Between learning that and COVID and strep. And then I had a car wreck. Oh, yeah, that too. Look, And then we just had the holidays, which holidays are crazy. It's been hard being a gremlin. It's hard out here for a gremlin. (laughs) Lots of prayers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah, tell your friends about us. Leave us a review. It would really, you know, Hannah just had COVID. Hasn't she earned a review? I think I've earned a five-star review. Shouldn't you go... And be like, these bitches are fantastic. Yeah, if you don't say that, we know you don't love us. We're kidding. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we'll see you back in two weeks, assuming we survive this upcoming blizzard. I know, I know. I'm I'm sending you guys all the warm thoughts from the um, Arctic North. (laughs) Arctic North that I'm currently enduring. Yeah, we're at least 20 degrees warmer than you, which is I know, like, the high, they're like, the high Monday is zero. I'm like, the high isn't even single digits. The high is no digits. (laughs) None. All right. All right. We love you guys. Love you. Bye. Bye. Bye.